Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Welcome, everybody, back to the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than starting your week off on a Monday with some guys being dudes? I am Kyle Krabs, the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting, the co-host of the Draft Dudes Podcast, and the NFL Draft Analyst for Fan Rag Sports. And I am joined by not Joe Marino. Um, Yeah, so Joe is working very hard as we record this on a Sunday night, to put the uh, finishing touches on his 2017 NFL draft prospect portfolio so he can give it back to you, the people. (laughs) Um, That is a Bane quote. Uh, I believe Gandhi also said it, uh, but primarily a Bane quote for anybody who is unfamiliar. So that's enough of Bane quotes. We'll, We'll put that behind us. And I am joined today by Mr. John Ledyard of Inside the Pylon, FanRag Sports, uh, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. So um, uh, John and I have some familiar ground between FanRag and Locked On, and John has been gracious enough to give us some time to talk about the 2017 class in general, uh, just kind of give us uh, a nice organic water cooler style conversation. So John, how are you, my friend? Thanks for joining me. Hey, Cal, thanks for having me, my man. I'm sorry that I didn't bring any uh, astute impressions to the table. I think I'm lacking in that department. You can knock that as a trade on my report, I yeah, think. It's stock down, but it's all right. You know, stock you got, down for you sure. Got, you got other stuff going for you. <laughs> 
So tell everybody uh, you were part of a big project over at Inside the Pylon. I would highly recommend everybody, after you subscribe to NDT Premium at ndtscouting.com, and I won't bore you with the details. We've talked about it a whole bunch on the show. Um, John, Inside the Pylon had a very big project come out that uh, I know you were one of the, the head guys on kind of tackling this year. So just tell everybody about what some of the work you've been doing this spring has been and, and what you've been focused on and, you know, uh, where they can find that, and then furthermore, what you're doing between now and the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Inside the Pond had a really cool project that we came out with, and it was you know, as a draft guide, um, but not in the same vein as some of the you know your, your draft guide and and Joe's work that he's doing too. It was more of uh, this is how an NFL team builds their draft board, their evaluations, what they look like, what their grading process look like, what it looks like to flag players with certain concerns, medical or character or work ethic, things like that. Um, and so we built it with from that perspective. So we had Dan Hatman kind of helping to head up the project, and he obviously worked as a scout for the Eagles um, and runs the Scouting Academy, which trains like the next generation of NFL scouts and personnel people. Uh, just an awesome, awesome organization uh, that's, that's teaching kids so much about, I say kids, I guess some of them we're not kids really and a lot of them are our age um but they're learning um the, the ins and outs of the nfl and getting to learn from coaches and personnel people what that looks like um and and just preparing the next generation of scouts and so we had a lot of those people that work for inside the pylon people that have been training people with that kind of inside knowledge coaches so on and so forth they're right for inside the pylon that went to the tape scouted these guys came up with a, a board of a top 100 wrote reports for those top 100 including things like scheme fits and how they fit into a certain scheme in the NFL, what teams might be interested in them because of that one to three year projection. So where they might be as a rookie from where they might progress to three years from now, if they land in an ideal situation and so on and so forth. So we did some interesting, unique things with it and there's fantasy content in there and there's a lot of different types of content in there as well. We got agents and players perspectives on the draft process and just try to make it a big smorgasbord of covering the draft from every angle you could possibly think of. And so I think the project was was really fun and was really well done by the guys in a short amount of time. And uh, we're really happy with how it's turned out and the feedback we've gotten back so far. So you can check that out at itpdraftguide.com. Check it out there and you can purchase that, if you will, if you check out what it is and then decide if you want to purchase it, I would, I would recommend it. Yeah, and um, I can only imagine having you know, so many opinions going into – Mm-hmm. Uh, a single piece um it, it makes for really interesting and i know you were specifically specifically focused on defensive linemen no so everybody right. kind of had their niche area where you were treated like a positional scout is that how it worked right yeah we so we took people basically we, we kind of asked everyone you know what's your position that you feel most comfortable with and a lot of the guys we knew already you know mark schofield and ted Wynn checked out the quarterbacks and we had different guys on different position groups but i was mainly with the edge the edge pass rushers and um the tight ends as well i split tight ends with sean cottrell and uh, ethan young actually took a couple of the pass rushers with me um so we split up those position groups and what was nice was that we had someone in our position group to cross check with mm-hmm. so that that if you know somebody was way low on Jake Budd or something, the other person could say, "Hey, maybe I saw this and this, and do you think this could work?" And we could just kind of bounce ideas off each other. So one of the cool things we did was, obviously, with so many defensive backs, we had five or six guys scouting defensive backs, and then so they would have to flush out their opinions and create tiers for their players based on the kind of the consensus view they had on them, with obviously weighing each other's opinions. So we took those chats, those conversations, we edited them up, and we put them in the draft guide. So you can 
actually see the behind the scenes process of tiering these players and grading them and and what we thought about their one to three year projections and what their strengths and weaknesses were and you can see those conversations by people who've been trained to be scouts you can see them take place so that was a really cool element of it too and i think one of the more one of the more fun elements for us to produce and then to be able to put out there for you guys to check out so that was an interesting part of the process was having a ton of voices involved and having to communicate on that level to still be able to build a consensus project but that's what an nfl team was so it was cool for us because it gave us the inside perspective as to what that struggle looks like in an nfl front office and you know obviously those guys are even on another level but it was interesting to see how that all plays out and how we have to work through disagreements and things like that and there were some there were some pound on the table moments for a couple guys where we had to sort some things out but it's part of the process we took it very seriously and but we still had a lot of fun with it so john just set the table perfectly for what you can expect on wednesday's draft dudes uh i am sitting here looking at joe's big board it was finalized Mm -hmm. tonight um i'm also sitting here looking at my big board right now and for as much as Joe and I were in sync all year long on like 90% of guys that we talked about on the show, uh, you get your outputs, you get your final scores and your tiering, and it's like, how where, how does one guy end up in one spot in point A and, and then on another um, end up in point B? Mm-hmm. And, and those, those differences between the two. So um, that's really what I'm looking forward to. Uh, this week in particular is fleshing out exactly what John just talked about that they did with their, I believe it was through Slack. Is that, that what you guys use for it? Yeah, a lot of the time we use Slack for yeah. communication purposes. Yeah, So so, so that, that Slack chain that they you know uh, were able to edit and publish as part of the guide, uh, you guys are going to be able to hear a lot of that organic conversation. And it seems like that's what people really respond the best to. It's not necessarily two guys... Uh, talking heads at a table kind of following a script, but rather uh, just letting the conversation come to us. And that's kind of how I want to segue into you were talking about defensive backs. Mm -hmm. And I know, John, you're particularly high on Alabama's Marlon Humphrey. Yes. Uh, Tell me a little bit about why you think, because this is fascinating for me. I like Humphrey a lot. He's one Mm -hmm. of my top 30 players. He's 29th on my board. He's my fourth corner. Um, He's he's behind Fabian Moreau, Marshawn Lattimore, and Sidney Jones. Um, obviously, the the Sidney Jones injury makes that a huge wild card, and yeah, uh, we'll see what his long term ability is to come back and play healthy. But I certainly think Humphrey will be drafted over him on account of that injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think that? People are a little gun-shy on Humphrey specifically as a prospect because I have a theory, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I think that when a guy gets beat vertically and gives up big plays, people really get cold feet, and they don't want to even look at the trades. They just The, the trades are, or what went wrong on a certain play, they always just kind of want to go back to, Oh, but he gave up gave up too many big plays, you know. And whenever I comment on Humphrey online, I get like three or four responses. You know, gave up a lot of big plays this past year. You know, gave up a couple twenty plus yard plays. And yes, he did give up some plays. But if you look at why, you know, people thought he was going to run slow, and he didn't at all. And he actually tested extremely well athletically. Um, it wasn't any physical deficiency or athletic deficiency. Oh, I remember one of the plays, and I can't remember the team right now. But he flipped his hips way too early in the route. He fell for the fake, and he just overcommitted. I think it was to the side 
sideline, got beat back inside, and gave up a post. I, I think it was for a big player, a touchdown. And you know, so there were a couple plays like that. He bit on a double move against someone and got beat over his head. And so he's got to be more patient. He's got to be more disciplined. He's got to be better at not overreacting to every route stem and being able to trust his athleticism to make up ground if he doesn't flip his hips all the way to a sideline or flip his hips all the way to the field. Or so there's progress that he can make for sure as a player. But you're talking about a guy who's you know, one of the youngest players in the draft, and he started two years at Alabama, and Nick Saban and that complex defense and the pattern reading and asked to do so many things. I mean, he's starting in that defense in two national championships at 19 and 20 years old. I mean, I don't discount that, especially given the fact that, yes, he gave up some plays, but he also made a lot of plays in that defense. And personally, I love his mentality and his ability to come downhill and make tackles and you know uh, make plays on ball carriers and, and, and offer that support in the run game. But athletically, I think he can project to any coverage scheme eventually, although I'd want him in a zone-heavy look early on. But he brings a lot to the table that you really like. And yes, there's some boomer bust there because he can't continue to make those mistakes and give up big plays. But I'm just counting on him to continue to develop because I believe that that trajectory is going to happen with him based on the progress he's made over his time at Alabama and the tools and traits and the work ethic he brings to the table. Yeah, and that sounds a lot like the narrative that's kind of built up around uh, not necessarily the same physical player, uh, but Adore Jackson. It's the same thing. Everybody goes mm-hmm. back to, oh, John Ross you know, threw Adore Jackson into the sun. That's how bad he burned him on that that move at the line of scrimmage where Dory Jackson falls over his own feet. And it's like, there's automatically this association with Dory Jackson has terrible feet. Now I will say in man coverage that he requires notable refinement to not bubble his transitions Hmm. at the top of route stems, but you get him in zone coverage and he's got no nice pacing, nice cadence, uh, his weight distribution is strong. He alters his landmarks uh, in carrying multiple stems off the line of scrimmage effectively. Uh, he's got a nice bucket step to click and close and drive on throws. So if you put him in the right kinds of schemes, he can be effective right away. Now, I, I think he's a day-two player. I think he's he's mm-hmm. very zone-specific. You get him on a lot of man-to-man, especially if you're going to play him off the ball. Um, he's not strong enough and consistent enough to play press at the line of scrimmage. But if you play him off and he's playing soft and then you're asking him to transition and get into guys' hips pockets, that's where you're going to see the most problems with him right away. Um, but yeah, and I think thing. that, yeah, it's, it, it is, it's very similar. And that's, what's important to learn about some of these guys. Like you, we take the traits and we apply them and we see what they could become and with some guys like that that have the full package, and I completely agree with you about Adore Jackson, you know, the, the full package is there. I mean, that guy's click and close is it's one of the best in the class, to be honest. You know, I mean, he really has is an explosive guy. And he is, his feet are fine athletically. There's not like a deficiency. He's not tight or not flexible or something like that. It's just a matter of refining that part of his game and that process. Now, that may happen. That may not happen. We don't know. But there are going to be guys in every draft class that have all the tools and the traits and in the work ethic, the mentality you want. And if you assess all that and you put it all together, you know, it's not all there right now, but you see what it could become. Remember Danell Hunter, you could see what it could become with somebody like that. There's going to be guys like that that we're going to hang our hats on, you know, even if they give up some big plays on the field. And and I think Matt Harmon at NFL.com said something one time in an article, and he says it consistently, and I think it's it's part of his brand, and I think it's so true, is that we as humans react stronger to a negative performance or a negative showing by a player mm-hmm. than we do to a positive one. And I think that's definitely the case with some of these guys in the draft. Yeah. 
Now, I'm curious, and we'll touch on one more thing because I'm sitting here looking at my corner rankings with, um, I got Cordrea Tankersley and Gary on Conley tiered mm-hmm. right below Marlon Humphrey, who we just talked about. Uh, the names that are starting to get some pump and some puff as potential uh, day one, early day two guys, somebody like Kevin King, you know, we're talking about mm-hmm. footwork. Um, have you had a chance to look in depth at Kevin King yet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have. He's he's a very interesting player because not often do you get that type of fluidity with that tight. I mean, 6-3 for a corner. We're not talking about a 6-1 corner. We're talking about a 6-3 corner. You know, that that's you don't see that all the time. And you have two of them. I think Akella Witherspoon's right around that too. And so for for Kevin King, I'll, I'll just tell you right from my notes, feet are sloppy and pressed right off the front. You know, that's just exactly what I saw from him. He jumps at the wide receiver off the snap. He's not reading a release. He's not reading the hips. He's not, you know, identifying anything. He's just kind of attacking. He'll go in with two hands at times. You know, so if he gets wide receivers who are proficient in their releases and are technical in their releases and can vary them are going to torch him off the line of scrimmage. And he is fast. He's not that fast. He's not going to be able to make up that ground. So actually, I'd rather have him off the ball early on, obviously as the length and, and, and a lot of the things that you like um, to see in a press corner, but he's not ready to play in that position right now. And maybe that will happen with him at some point. I like him off the ball as a zone corner a little bit more and a guy who can close on the ball a little bit. He, he plays hard and he, he plays fast. Uh, he'll stick his nose in there and run support. He'll come up uh, in that regard. I, I think he's not the twitchiest guy in the world, but there's enough there to work with in his own coverage scheme. To me, he's more projection than we're giving him credit for, and there's no way I would take him in round one. I can get on board late day two if you have the right system in place and you want to you want to you know develop him and bring him along. But I think he's more of a third round guy. Dude, are you reading off my report? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I'm going to read the last three I sentences. do have your report, but I haven't looked at it yet. <laughs> King has great ball skills at the catch point and in deep third coverages has the ability to be a consistent piece of a secondary. King mm. could warrant consideration on late day two for scheme-specific fits, but universally his value is much more attractive on early day three. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what he is. And yeah. we can get excited about the traits, like I said, with, with all these guys. You can get excited about the traits, but you have to decide who you're going to hang your hat on and what things you can live with and what things you can't live with. And I think you're right. In in deep zone coverages, like that's where he's going to be at his best. But right right away, and but learning to press and to be patient and press and to be technical and press, I don't know how well the NFL teaches that. Over over the years, I haven't observed it being something they teach really well. And I wish I could back that up statistically. I I don't really know how we could do that. But just from what I've observed from players, I don't feel like that's something that's taught typically well. You you come in with with at least some level, if not that you can't improve, but some level. And to me. Humphrey and Jackson both offer more right away in that type of alignment than King does. I just think he's he's way too sloppy and, and precarious and wide receivers who are more technical. I mean, he didn't face that many great receivers that I saw. No, and, and that's kind of just the, I don't want to say it's laziness, but it feels like laziness. Like, oh, he's 6'3 with 32-inch arms. He's a press corner. You know, he's right. going to play on the line of scrimmage, um, but you don't see it. But I'm disappointed in you, John. And you probably haven't had a chance to watch this guy. Uh, Utah's Brian Allen. Do you know anything about mm. him? Yeah, yeah. I actually just said that I think I would be shocked if that kid wasn't on Miami's radar and other teams, Holy too. Holy cow, For Miami's man. radar, yeah. Yeah, he's he's legit 6'3 and 1'8", 215, mm-hmm. 34-inch arms. 
He's he, he, he's, he is extremely talented. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, he's and, and he, technically he's a big work in progress. He's only really, a, yes. a two-year defensive player, though, so I think that warrants some consideration. He started out as a wide receiver at Utah, right. and then transitioned. Um, but you could tell he used to play wide receiver because his ball mm-hmm. skills are strong. Um, he's got big hands. He's still learning how to utilize his length at the line of scrimmage. Um, right. And the footwork, his transitional stuff's not great. But if you mm-hmm. get him playing forward and attacking the ball, if you if you're able to keep him leveraged over top of routes, uh, he's one of my favorite day three targets in the secondary because you, know, you want to talk about things you can't coach, and you know you want to right. talk about Kevin King's measurables. Uh, this is a guy that's six three, two fifteen, with thirty four inch arms and ran sub four five. So yeah, he's I mean, awesome, awesome potential athlete. He's. I wonder. I, I here's what I'm afraid of. Team C six three two fifteen. They want to move him to safety, and they want to make it easier for him there. Um, and I just don't know, man. I mean, like you said, this is rare stuff a corner. And yes, he's pretty raw. I mean, there's no question. Like you said, the transitionary stuff. That's where I really noticed it. Is that I think his hips and feet. It just gets kind of clunky. Yeah, it's and disjointed. It's, right. It's just not a very smooth or rhythmic effort uh, when you watch him in that regard. But there's some stuff there. Uh, you know, he. He, like you said, he's learning to use his length, but I don't think there's any like lack of desire to be physical or anything no, like that, although no. he's not a good tackler for sure. You can tell he played receiver when you watch him tackle, I think. But, um, but yeah, there's something there to work with. And like I said, day three, I just wrote about this for when I was writing about Miami's mid-round fits and guys that they might target on the fourth or fifth and something like that. Um, you know, He fits that profile of what they're trying to look for in their corners. You know, develop these guys with good athletic traits. And Miami's not afraid to take raw guys. You know, Tony Lippett's in there. Xavier Howard was, re- re- was raw coming out last year and had some traits. And so they're not afraid to take a chance on these type of players. And they are looking for those bigger type corners, among other teams, obviously. Everybody's kind of trending in that regard. But but I really think he could be a guy that Miami tries to stash and develop behind some of those guys that are playing now on day three. And, you know, like I said, a couple other teams, he's going to be a hot commodity because those testing numbers, I mean, we saw what was a, what's a kid that Arizona drafted last year that played like one year cornerback and Brandon oh, Williams. Yeah, or Brandon Williams. They drafted him like the third round. He got torched all year long because they tried to start him week one and <laughs> he wasn't ready. But uh, yeah, so I, I mean, teams are willing to roll the dice on these guys with, with size and speed and the traits, and they don't care how long they've played the position. I mean, they're not going to take them round one, but, you know, nothing would shock me with Allen after that. I think you could find a team that takes a swing on them probably before I would, but I get it, too, with the tools. Yeah, yeah you can understand. Now, I'm kind of curious, like, not just corners, but, like, this overall class, um, getting away from upside guys do, do you have any guys that i'm sure you'll probably come up with a couple uh defensive linemen but like pure technicians like i always appreciate seeing the guys that you can tell they're like the quote-unquote the master of their craft mm-hmm. do you if i said like who's a master of their craft do you have any names that kind of come to your head right away if i if i bring that up yeah pat elfline comes to mind for yeah. sure just really clean and I don't. He's not going to wow anyone athletically. If he did, we'd be talking about a top ten type of pick, probably. But um, and maybe maybe we are. For I'm not speaking for everyone's board here, but um, I think no. that yeah, he's a guy that I can get on board with in the first round. I think because he's so technical and clean. He's not a bad athlete or anything. I you know I you just think he's not special in that regard. He's not special in terms of his range and things like that. But he brings a lot to the position that will be I mean he's a plug and play type guy, I think. And um so he comes to mind um 
I'll let you simmer on it. Um, yeah. I just want to kind of follow up that thought. It's always easiest to see it, in, at least in my opinion, in the offensive linemen. Right. Because it's the guys that you can visibly see they're, they're capable of manipulating bodies. So if you've got to work across a guy's face, and that's when you see you know, the, the push-pull in the hands mm-hmm. to generate that torque and turn and free up that angle so you can work your, your face mask and your hips around a guy's body, um, or getting that really clean run fit in space where you kind of come to balance and you're able to strike with a good clean punch and you roll up through with the the hips and contact, like that kind of technical stuff is always, when you see it, it's like, you know it's textbook. Mm-hmm. Where it kind of gets convoluted in space sometimes. Or uh, I know somebody had a criticism of, of Raekwon McMillan on Twitter that Raekwon actually responded with and was like, look, this is the play and this is where the ball's mm-hmm. going and this is my responsibility and if I overrun this, it's a touchdown. And, you know, for for a lot of these other positions, it's very easy to get your wires crossed unless you have the full context and you understand totally what you're looking at. But in a vacuum, these offensive linemen, I mean, you see the hips roll through, you see the, the ability to, to work in a tight space and work around the body, and, and it's great stuff when you see it. In Elfline, you see it. It's, his film's littered with that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, the, he, it absolutely is. And I, you're right, it is easier to see in that regard too. But, um, yeah, I think that, I mean, Raekwon would probably be in that conversation for me. Um, you know, Corey Davis is probably in that conversation for me. I, a guy that I think, uh, to, for the life of me, I don't know why we're not. You know, John Ross is going to go off the board ahead of Corey Davis. Stop it! He better. It's not. A, it's a mistake. I'll be, it's I'll a be mistake. So mad. Yeah, it's so, it, Corey's. I, Corey's one of my f- top five players mm-hmm. in this class. He's and, number seven on my board, and I know I I can speak for Joe because I got his board here. He's a top five player for Joe too. Yeah, and the John Ross. I don't know. Speed, speed, speed. I suppose, but you know, I'll let somebody else make that investment, and I'll get. 80 to 90 percent of a similar player three rounds later than what you'll get with Ross in the first round. I mean, don't get me wrong. I get the allure with Ross. You know, you know, if you're a team that has you know, that needs a deep threat, and you have some towers, and you've got a tight end, and you you know, you've got some pieces in place, and you need a guy that's going to stretch the field. Carolina comes to mind. I mean, Ross is going to tear up and Car- I mean, Ted Ginn tore, tore, up, tore up in Carolina with Cam Newton, and he couldn't even catch. So, I mean, John Ross is better vertical threat than him. So, Carolina drafts him. John Ross is going to be successful. There's no question. You know, but I just think Corey Davis gives you a whole lot more. You know, when you talk about a guy that can operate in a, just about any offense with just about any quarterback and, and do things that will help your team win, to me, that's Corey Davis. So, I think he's super clean technically and as a prospect, and I don't really care that he didn't get to work out. But um, he'd be a guy, a guy that I don't even like really that much because he doesn't give you anything as a pass rusher or a whole lot of upside as Ryan Anderson from Alabama. I mean, yeah. very technically sound against the run. He doesn't get me excited at all about, as a pass rusher. Yeah, I, I think he's technically sound in what he does against the run, though, and mental processing is really good, sets a strong edge. You see the athletic limitations. You know, you see the, the the wingspan limitations. You know, he doesn't have the biggest tackle radius, but he's a guy that plays hard, super physical, never going to get pushed around at the point of attack and, and wins at the point of attack consistently. Chest control, leverage, hand placement, all those things you want to see. There's just a lot of limitations on him, I think, as a player. Sure, and he does a really nice job of uh, holding the point of attack in uh, Tuscaloosa restaurants as well. I, don't know, I, don't <laughs> I <know>. saw that. <laughs> what I like, dude? 
I don't know what I wish I knew what his involvement in was in getting Deshaun Watson out of that restaurant. Yes. So if, that was, if oh. folks didn't see this, there was a video of who was the NFL player? There was another uh, Wallace Gilberry. Yeah, Wallace yeah, Gilberry. He's been in a mix up or two if you remember uh, you know, the Joey Porter incident and yep. some of the incidents in that game. <laughs> and so it was Gilberry and uh, Ryan Anderson pretty much telling Deshaun Watson to get out of a a restaurant in Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm. and somebody caught it and put it on social media. So uh, that's like the, like is that the ultimate fail for a player in this pre-draft process? I mean, we haven't had a lot of like dumb arrests or anything, but like Ryan, I mean, you lost in the national championship game to this guy. Now you're going to tell him to get out of a restaurant? Like you lost to him. It's different if you won. I mean, it's still lame, but <laughs> at least you have something to back up. The fact that you're talking trash, you lost, and now you're telling him to get out of our restaurant. Yeah, like, this, man, this is my this is my house. I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I mean, maybe they were looking for the uh, the tiebreaker since Bama won the year before. Like, go. What up. happens if they go to the same team, man? I can't. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I know. I, I'm sure. I'm sure that attention. that kind of stuff gets gets put to the side. Um, John, give me give me a couple hot takes before we let you go. Give me a couple hot takes. <sighs> let me see. Uh, you're hot you're good at these. I know your timeline's littered with them, dude. Don't act like you don't have them. <laughs> Top cake, to hot takes compared to what other people might have or expect. Um, Gary on Conley is my number eight or nine player. He's right. He's right in that range right now on my board. Um, I I am extremely high on him as a player, and the more I watch him, the more I like. When I first started out on him, I wasn't quite sure, but um, the more I watched, uh, I think he's one of the best corners in the draft at defending the ball vertically and you know able to stay hip to hip with the receiver able to transition pretty smoothly out of press um and and kind of mirror receiver down the field really well but also in and and some defensive backs can do that not a lot of cornerbacks can then find the football in the air without with while staying in phase and not losing that that hip to hip relationship with the receiver um and and make a play on it and i think he does that really really well among other things but so i'm i'm really high on gary on conley I'm also really high on Buda Baker. I know I'm in company with that one Hello. as well. And, and most people that are listening, if you follow me, you probably already knew that about Baker. So you're like, that's not a hot take at this point. We know that. But to meet Buda Baker's actually, he and Conley are like neck and neck right now. And so, um, for, for the, but they're both going to be top 10 on my board. I don't think a lot of people have that. But um, Baker, yeah, to me is a guy that maybe he's your full time nickel right away. He can play safety, he can play in the box. I don't care about his size. Watch the tape, he can do it. Um, this is one of the most instinctive players in the draft. One of the smartest players in the draft flies around the field. I really do think he's so similar to Tyron Matthew, and he makes plays that are so similar to Tyron Matthew. He might even be a little bit better of a tackler, and he doesn't have the the off the field baggage that, that Matthew came on with. You know, it came into the league with. Um, obviously, he's cleaned up his act since then. But there's hot takes. I mean, Carl Lawson's way higher for me than he is for most people. I, I don't know if that's even considered hot take. I have Evan Ingram as a first rounder. I'm not sure if that's a hot take okay. at this point or not, um, but I think he's one of the most clean, you know, technically sound route runners, and, and he's obviously an elite athlete as well, so do you have really a, high on what he brings. Do you have a number range for Carl Lawson? Because I know Joe, yeah. Joe's in good company there. Carl Lawson is 15th on my board. Okay. So you, I'm, got he's my higher than three Joe. edge. Now you got a little more higher than Joe. Uh, Joe's got him in the 20s somewhere. I don't want to spoil too much of his board. Um, I have Derek Rivers as a first rounder. I think Forrest Lamp's the best offensive lineman in the draft. See, now that's, I'm the hottest, that's the hottest take you've given me. Yeah, I think I think he's the best one. And Elfline's a little bit cleaner than him technically, probably right now. But 
I really think Lamb's going to get there, and I just think he's ceiling athletic. I think he's going to be a guard in the NFL, but he can play tackle too. Um, I, I'm a big Forrest Lamb fan. I really like what he brings to the table. Um, you know, toughness, technique. Uh, he gets after people. I love that about him. Um, so yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Lamp fan. Uh, he's in the teens for me. Um, I guess you could say you love Lamp, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to actually avoid <laughs> trying to tow tow around that. Yeah, that's right. I have Joe Mathis as an early second rounder. Oh, I know man. That, we're, we're I mean, gonna fight on that one. That's all right. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely in very. There's very few people that see eye to eye with me on that one. But you know, you talked about technically sound guys, and to me, Mathis is honestly in that conversation, which is crazy because he didn't play that much at Washington for his first three years because there were issues with him picking up the defense. But then it clicked for him, and you talk to people in Washington, they say everything clicked for him this year. He got married, he has a kid, and he's just a totally different person, completely committed you know, to succeeding and everything like that. And you could tell from on the field, man, I mean, unblocked situations. He's stepping down. He's using squeeze technique. He's keeping the outside shoulder freeze, not letting runs outside of him. Super heavy-handed at the point of attack. I think he's a run defender. He can start right away. Pass rusher, things are still developing. Is he the greatest athlete in the world? No, but he actually works out today, uh, by the way. So we'll find out about his testing uh, at some point here. I don't know what point during the day, but uh, I love a lot of what he brings to the table. Um, and I would take him early second round. I know other people are going to think I'm crazy for that, but uh, that's where I'm at with him. And I mean, I, like you said, I got a couple of them, man. Jamal Williams is up there for me in the second round. I, there's, I'm, I don't know where the consensus is on all these guys, but I got some hot takes, I guess. Well, that's that's the fun part. Like, for me, like, I'll read some people's you know, general opinions on certain guys, but I I don't read a single piece of rankings or right. big boards. Or, like, I just get the names and I watch them, and then I turn around and, and start reading, like, April, and it's like, oh, right. shoot, like, this guy really likes this guy, and I did not and it turns out like a lot of people really like this guy so I, i'm sure there's always going to be four or right. five of that like wayne gallman's a guy like that for me this year that i really like and eddie jackson is a guy for me uh jabril peppers turned out to be really popular to hate and i still like him but that's all right <laughs> i know i know i'm uh i'm speaking to a where are you at with peppers peppers is he's in my 20s oh, uh, he wow. got a, so he got a, all right so he got an early second round value so in a vacuum, he's not somebody I would take in the first round, but I also only have 17 first round grades this year. Jeez, dude. All right, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That, that's the highest total I've had in four years. Wow. So yeah. you are tough. <laughs> yeah, so I had 16 in 2013. Or I'm sorry, 2014. It was like the Odell Beckham, Aaron Donald yeah. year. Sure. Uh, the year after that, I had 15, and that's the... Kevin White, Amari Cooper year. Last year I had eight, and this year I had seventeen. Last year having eight, I can get on board with that. Yeah, so <laughs> because last year there was like it was weak, and, and that's the fun part about you know having the full like full spreadsheets of like rankings from one to three hundred for three years in a row now is that's one of the things that I actually put in the guide this year is just like a data plot of like okay 2017, 2016, 2015. Where is the top score? So the first slot on each board plots mm -hmm. a data point. Second player dots a play to point, data point, and it just rolls all the way down, and you get this, this kind of curvature, and it's a really cool visual to look at and see, okay, so 2015 had some nice late round one, early round two, 
value that kind of challenged and surpassed 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2016's first probably 40 picks were, were pretty sorry as far as the value you're getting, uh, but it surpassed 2015 uh, in the back half of the draft. And mm. th- this year's across the board, all the way down, it's like notably better all the way down as far as my 200th guy this year is mm-hmm. much better scored than what the 200th guy was the past huh. two years. So it, it's a nice visual testament to right. uh, if you think my comp- opinion's worth a damn at all, um, a nice testament. Barely, to, but to, yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully the folks listening have a little bit more respect for me than my guest does on my own show, but that's all right. Uh, and that's a yeah, great... Break the hot takes. <laughs> Don't break the hot takes. <laughs> that's a great time for us to just go ahead and wrap it up. So... Uh, <laughs> John, I would like to thank you for kind of stepping up to the plate and uh, uh, doing as admirable admirable of a job filling Joe's shoes as I could ask anybody to do with about an hour's notice to hop on Draft Dudes and just talk, like not even have a script. So uh, I thought this was great. Uh, do me a favor, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, social media, and, and uh, again, a reminder about ITP's uh, draft guide this year and, and the details there. Yeah, you can check out ITP's Draft Guide at itpdraftguide.com. Really good stuff. Let me know what you think of it. You can let me know at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL Draft on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me there and check out my stuff. I'm on FanRag and Inside the Pylon, and I do the Locked On NFL Draft podcast and the Breaking the Plane podcast, and I write for Scout.com covering the Steelers, and my wife thinks I need to drop a job or two, but they just keep bowing up. So uh, that's where I'm at. But thanks so much for having me, Kyle. Really appreciate it and glad I could do something to help Joe uh, process and, and get his work out there for all the people to see. <laughs> yeah, this this was really great, John. Thanks for having uh, the time and joining us that is going to wrap for the draft dudes we are back on wednesday for battle of the boards joe's got his board i got mine and we're literally just going to go to town man there there's probably going to be some blood involved um, how long is that episode going to be oh man i we're probably just going to start in the morning and just record all the way through go that's go player by player i'm here for it i'm <laughs> so, here for it <laughs> so guys drink coffee before wednesday's draft dudes it's a pro yes. tip for you uh that is going to wrap for today i am kyle Crabb signing off with guest john ledyard and we will be back on wednesday right now join t-mobile and get an unlimited family plan with netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone tablet or tv Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits. So you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.